Welcome back to the next episode of the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Today, we are talking about players that will let you down in fantasy football this year. These are players that usually we are excited and pumped up about, but we believe right now they're overvalued. Does that mean that they're destined to get hurt week one or week two? No, these are players that just in generally, even fully healthy, are not going to live up to their ADPs. Joining me today is a special guest as my normal co-host in Ben Wolby is gone today. So we brought in another stat sheet extraordinaire in Josh Larkey. But Josh, we will start with you today. We're going to go quarterbacks all the way down through running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And then our number one most overvalued player in all of fantasy. So Josh, we'll start with you. Who is your quarterback that you feel is overvalued right now? I love this. People have been angry. They love Anthony Richardson, and they they tell me that he's the most athletic quarterback in NFL history because he is. So because of that one simple fact that he's the most athletic quarterback in the NFL history, we are not allowed to dislike him regardless of his ADP. He's going to be going quarterback one by the end of summer. Let's break it down. So there have been four rookie quarterbacks in the past 15 years, 15 years, to put up at least 18 fantasy points per game. That's about one quarterback that's a rookie every four years. 18 fantasy points per game, Alex. You're, you're like, why Why that number? Well, that would have been QB 13 per game last year. This would not have been a quarterback one in fantasy. Anthony Richardson goes at quarterback 10. Quarterback 10 by ADP right now. Those four quarterbacks that actually hit a QB 13 or better type point per game finish. Justin Herbert, Robert Griffin III, Cam Newton, and Deshaun Watson. Yet all four of them had at least two, if not up to four times as many college pass attempts and college passing touchdowns as Richardson. And Robert Griffin III, Deshaun Watson, and Cam Newton all had at least two times the rushing production in college as Richardson. Look at the stats. I No one's been able to explain to me why Richardson had half the rushing yards in his best college season as players like Robert Griffin, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton. Yet he's supposed to be a significantly better rusher because he's athletic. I just don't understand why we are worshiping athleticism numbers so much that we are overlooking the entire quarterback profile. I would love Anthony Richardson if he was going in the QB2 range like he used to go. Now that he's at QB10, I simply cannot buy in at that price tag. Yeah, I'm completely with you, especially with Anthony Richardson right now. Like The price tag has just gotten too high. Like If Anthony Richardson right now is going as near the QB15, I'd be all in, but he's not. And that's the problem with me. And that's why with my quarterback in Deshaun Watson, I just don't like his price right now. I think Deshaun Watson will probably be a fine fantasy quarterback right now. But the guys going above him, I don't really see the path where he finishes above any of them because I think the eight quarterbacks above him either have way more rushing upside or they have better weapons. So regardless of the talent of Deshaun Watson, everyone above him has better weapons or has that elite rushing upside. And for me with Deshaun Watson, he's also going in the same range right now in underdog drafts as players like James Conner or Javante Williams, who are both players I love. And when you can get that, or you can wait on a quarterback that'll be very similar to Sean Watson just a few rounds later, I just cannot get on the price of him right now. And I think that his upside is capped when Amari Cooper is probably far and away their best option, at least in the passing game, which I think over the course of a full season is going to bring Watson down enough to make him not close to being valuable for where he is going right now in your fantasy drafts. But Josh, what about the running back position? This is probably the single biggest, toughest position that we have to find of like, where are the overvalued players that could really kill you in drafts? So for you right now, who is that running back that you feel like is the most overvalued right now in fantasy? Well, it might not come as a surprise to people. We're going to stay with the Colts. 
oftentimes if I hate the quarterback's ADP, there's probably at least one, if not multiple other players on that team I do not care for. Let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. We should think of him like 2022 Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders was healthy for all 17 games. He had 15 carries a game at five yards per carry, 11 rushing touchdowns. But he only had 1.2 receptions per game. Jalen Hurts is mobile, doesn't like to check the ball down. Sanders finished as the RB16 per game. Taylor should get more volume. I am not saying Taylor will get 15 carries, but probably similar yards per carry, probably five. Richardson, also mobile. Maybe a similar touchdown rate. If we assume the, the Colts are the 2022 Eagles, I don't think we should. But let's even just assume the offense is similarly good. Hertz takes some goal line touchdowns from Sanders. Richardson takes some goal line touchdowns from Taylor. If we give Taylor 20 carries a game instead of Sanders 15, we would bump Sanders 12 fantasy points per game all the way up to 16. That's very good. Is that worth a first round pick? Assuming full health for Jonathan Taylor and that the Colts offense will be similarly good to the Philadelphia Eagles? Absolutely not. Jonathan Taylor looks like a mid to late second round pick in fantasy football. And at his first round price tag, I am simply not interested. Yeah, completely. I also like see the ceiling because I think people too often are just looking at what happened the year before. They're saying, oh, well, you know, he had a little bit of an injury riddled the year last year, but he's just going to be back up to form. He's going to be the clear running back one in fantasy football. I just don't see it. I think Taylor's safe, but I just don't think that he has the same like league winning upside with Anthony Richardson at quarterback as some other players. I just think other players near and going around him have more of a path to becoming the overall running back one, similar to a Brees Hall or Ramondre Stevenson. I'm going to be taking those guys instead of Jonathan Taylor right now in drafts. But another person I'm avoiding that is going right in that range as Brees Hall and Ramondre Stevenson is Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne is someone that I loved going into last year, but he just did not live up to the bill. I mean, last year he was the running back 23 in points per game, and he had just four finishes inside the top 12 running backs in 17 games. But the problem for me is where fantasy football running backs make their money and score their points and become these super valuable league winning players are catching passes and are players that score touchdowns. And Travis Etienne did not do a good job of either of those things. He was hyped up as a pass catcher, but he had just a 7% target share last year, which is around 31st in the league. And then he also did not convert well inside the 20 and inside the goal line. He had converted carries to touchdowns on just four of his 41 carries inside the 20, and he had a touchdown on just three of his 13 goal line carries, which was the second worst mark among 12 running backs that had at least 12 goal line carries. They also drafted Tank Bigsby in the third round. And Doug Peterson himself said that he wants more of a committee this year. So if Travis Etienne's snaps are going to go down, he was not great as a pass catcher, and he was not great on the goal line, then what is there? He's a phenomenal rusher between the 20 yard, between the 20 and the 20 yard line, but he's just not good where it counts in fantasy football. I just can't get off of it. But Josh, what about you? Are you seeing the same thing I am on Travis Etienne or do you have a little bit more hope? I'm a little bit more hopeful simply because of something that our head of DFS Jordan Vanek said that I thought was very interesting. And I agree. All your concerns are very valid. I think one other piece to the puzzle is what Jordan said, that the wide receivers, the, the tight ends, everyone was so healthy last year. And a lot of times running back target share will get boosted when receivers get hurt. Think Austin Eckler last season. Christian Kirk stayed so healthy. Zay Jones, so healthy. Marvin Jones, so healthy. Evan Ingram, so healthy. 
I know Calvin Ridley's added to the mix, which makes that equation a little bit more murky, but I think there's something to the fact that ETN was an awesome pass catcher in college playing alongside Trevor Lawrence, and they didn't use him much. He still had a lot of receiving yards. He was still explosive in the receiving game, but I agree. The target share was very concerning. It's not what I wanted to see. And I do have concerns with Tank Bigsby. I think Tank Bigsby is someone that I, I've talked about on a few shows at this point. I, I do like him as a late-round running back. Third-round draft capital. He's on an offense that we all love. Like you've mentioned, Travis Etienne did let people down with some of the, the touchdown efficiency work with the reception. So I think there's paths for Bigsby. I prefer him to ETN. However, I, I am not fully fading ETN like you are. I think I'll be at maybe a touch below the field since there's some very strong receivers that go in that range. Yeah, and again, I don't hate Travis Etienne as the, as the player. I just think that right now going as the running back 12 in fantasy football, I just can't get behind that price. I would rather be drafting someone like a Jameer Gibbs right below him or just avoiding that and going after a wide receiver early in that range. But that is just me on Travis Etienne. But speaking of wide receiver, let's move on to this position. And where, Josh, do you think the, the value right now is not going to be in fantasy football. There's always pockets of value, whether last year it was the mid to late round wide receivers like your Tyler Lockett's of the year. Do you think it's going to be early in the draft right now? Like, Where do you think that fantasy managers are going to get hurt the most by wide receiver value? And who do you think they're going to get maybe killed by a little bit more than other people will? Oh man, this, this hype train is out of control. Remember last year when Drake London was too slow and everyone hated him and I thought, hey, this guy looks like he'll earn targets. I kind of like him, especially in Dynasty. I'll take a stab on him. Well, what he did was actually not super impressive when he played with Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts gets injured. He gets a little better. Suddenly, people have decided that Drake London is the second coming of Jesus. This is a clear wide receiver one type. <laughs> let, let, let's talk about the Falcons. I, I don't understand what's going on. So the Falcons threw under 25 times per game last year. People say, Josh, you're an analytics guy. Why aren't you screaming regression? Clearly, they're going to throw closer to league average this year. Uh, not so fast. At pick eight in the NFL draft, they took a running back, Bijan Robinson, and they're rolling out Desmond Ritter at quarterback. If there was ever a team that said, hey, we love throwing 25 times per game, it's the team that took a running back at pick eight and then rolls out Desmond Ritter at quarterback. The target earning profiles for Kyle Pitts and Drake London are almost identical. I tweeted about it yesterday. On Twitter, I showed targets per route run, target share, yards per route run, Depth of target. When you look at these guys, it's pretty hard to tell which one looks better. So why are we taking the receiver so much earlier in fantasy football? He doesn't even have a tight end designation. Before Kyle Pitts got injured, Drake London averaged three and a half catches and 37 receiving yards per game with the exact same rookie target share that Kyle Pitts had when he was a rookie. What do we need for London to hit in fantasy? You need Atlanta to suddenly throw 30% more per game and Ritter to actually be good and or Kyle Pitts to get injured again. And even still, they probably run in the red zone. They have Bijan Robinson. They have an awesome offensive line. They're not going to be throwing in the red zone with Desmond Ritter. Touchdown opportunities, even if London magically catches a ton of passes like the end of last year when there's no, there was no Bijan, when there was no Pitts, He's still not going to score touchdowns. I don't understand the Drake London fourth round ADP. I don't think I've taken him yet in a single best ball draft in that general range. Yeah, I, I have a really tough time with Drake London. I mean, the biggest thing is last year in general for over the course of the entire season, Atlanta had just 17.6 catchable targets per game. 
which is not good when you have two elite target earners in Kyle Pitts and Desmond Ritter. Sorry, excuse me, in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I just don't see how this offense is going to give with the people what they want. I'm actually going to bring in my tight end early for this overvalue because it's Kyle Pitts for me. Kyle Pitts is a player in, in past years as a fantasy analyst. I would have been all over. I would have been saying to everyone, I would have been like, well, Kyle Pitts was first in targets per route run on an average depth of target over 10 yards. He had over a 30% target share. He was top five in yards per route run among all outside wide receivers, regardless of tight end. But the narrative right now is that all of a sudden, Kyle Pitts is going to be so much better this year because they passed more with Desmond Ritter. Well, they, they did pass more than Desmond Ritter. There was so much. They passed so much more than they did with Marcus Mariota. <laughs> but Desmond Ritter averaged just 28.7 pass attempts per game last year which is more than Marcus Mariota, but that still would have been good for 28th in the NFL. So if they're 28th in the NFL and they're going to only be averaging about 20 catchable targets per game, if that, I just can't get behind it with Kyle Pitts. To me, it's going to be DJ Moore syndrome as we've had for the past couple of years where every year it's going to be like, well, the quarterback play is slightly improved. So all of a sudden he's going to be the guy that we want. But in a passing volume offense this low, competing for targets with someone as talented as Drake London and the overall quarterback play that they're getting right now, I just can't get behind Kyle Pitts at all. And that's a shameful mistake that I should have known in years past. Are you on the same wave? Because I'm guessing if you don't like Drake London, you also don't like Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, I'm still mixed on. I, I can't figure him out. I like him better than Drake London because at least he plays tight end. But I'm with you. I think if there's a good offense to fade, it's this one. And I think one more thing I'll add to the Falcons equation. Some people are like, well, they, they started to pass a little more last year. That secondary was pretty bad. Okay, look at the offseason. They fortified the secondary. Star safety Jesse Bates is now there. I think they had the steal trade of the offseason when they got former Lions third overall pick Jeff Okuda at cornerback is now in Atlanta. And a lot of people are like, well, he failed in Detroit. Yes, not as good of a scheme, one. And two, he was guarding number one receivers. He will be guarding number two receivers with the Falcons. I still think Okuda might be awesome. Even if he's not awesome and he's just good, that's suddenly maybe the best cornerback duo in the NFL when you have A.J. Terrell, who is a top three corner, paired with Okuda, who's probably a top 20 corner when he has to guard significantly inferior options. The Falcons have a super easy strength of schedule. The easiest in the NFL. Let me actually read it to people because I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Here's the Falcons' home opponents. Carolina, bad. Saints, bad. Buccaneers, bad. Packers, bad. Texans, bad. Colts, bad. Vikings, average. Commanders, bad. That is their home schedule. Wow. Their away schedule. Carolina, bad. Saints, bad. Buccaneers, bad. Cardinals, bad. Bears, okay. Lions, good. Jaguars, good. Jets, good. Titans, bad. They only have three opponents that I think actually might be good this next year in a vacuum. This is a soft schedule. They're going to run the absolute piss out of the ball. Their secondary is so much better. We, we need what, like four, five, six things to line up for the Falcons pass attack to hit. Alex, I am with you. The, the, the takedown has occurred. Yeah, I, I just can't I just can't do it, especially when again, like I think a lot of people might be listening to this wanting to argue Kyle Pitts, but guys that are going either six picks ahead of Kyle Pitts or six picks below right now include guys like Joe Mixon, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Damian Pierce, Tyler Lockett, 
Marquise Brown, Jordan Addison. Like, I just think that I would take every single one of those guys over Kyle Pitts to help me score points in my fantasy team right now. Again, I love Kyle Pitts. He burned a lot of us last year. I just don't think the passing volume is going to be there for us. When we go back to my wide receiver before we get into your tight end, and my wide receiver is on a similar offense to what the Falcons are, and that's DJ Moore. DJ Moore, again, is someone that just doesn't have the ceiling that we're looking for. I mean, over the last three years in Carolina, he finished the wide receiver 23, 18, and wide receiver 24 while averaging over 133 targets per season, which is over eight targets per game. And last year, the Chicago Bears averaged just 15 catchable targets per game. That's not a wide receiver <laughs> production stat. Just targets that were catchable. They averaged 15 per game which is a very, very low number. It was the worst number in the NFL. And someone else pointed this last week that last year, a 15% target share with the Vikings would have been better than a 30% target share with the Bears just because of how many more catchable targets they had in Minnesota versus Chicago. So for me, I just don't see the upside with DJ Moore because every year we talk about this marginally better QB play, similar to your Kyle Pitts that we just talked about. And yes, Justin Fields is probably better than Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold, but they're still passing as low of a volume as any team in the entire NFL. They were last last year. That might not improve very much. And ultimately, if the catchable targets aren't going to be there either, then I just don't see what the ceiling is for DJ Moore. I think he's just destined for a mid-tier wide receiver to finish at best. And yes, he's going as the wide receiver 24 right now, but I'd rather be going for someone a little bit lower, like a Tyler Lockett or a Mike Evans or a Marquise Brown that can finish as a wide receiver one. And I just don't think that DJ Moore can get there, but who is that player for, for you, Josh, at the tight end position? Cause I gave Kyle Pitts. I mean, I don't like DJ Moore, but is your tight end coming in a better offense than the last few guys that we talked about? Well, first off, uh, you know, I love DJ Moore. He's been one of my favorite players year after year. I simply cannot buy in either at this price tag. Will the bears probably throw more this year? Yes. Will their offense be better with a better offensive line and better supporting cast? Yes. But how much better do they need to be when he's also competing with Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet for targets? Justin Fields is still best as a runner. I'm with you. It's it's like the Falcons. Sometimes you look at the situation, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. We need, what, five, six, seven things to go right just for this player to hit? Not interested. At tight end, it's another player where it feels like a lot needs to go right. It's Mark Andrews. Last year, Mark Andrews occasionally contended with Rashad Bateman but usually it was just Devin Duvernay. And still, Mark Andrews was a little bit disappointing in fantasy football. People are like, well, new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken. This guy throws. Remember the Jameis Winston experience? That was Todd Monken. I agree. I think the Ravens will throw more. But unlike Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson is still mobile. And if we look around, who, who do we have here in addition to Mark Andrews? Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman. And first-round rookie wide receiver, Zay Flowers. And what do they have in the running back room? A healthy J.K. Dobbins and a healthy Gus Edwards, which they didn't have last year. I start to look at Andrews and I go, you know what? This is starting to look like a situation where a player like him has close to a 20% target share, which is awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's top of the market for the tight end position. But when you're still not on elite passing volume offense, and Andrews is fast but not elite speed, my goodness, tight end two prices, round three. Very, very difficult when Mark Andrews is probably catching 70 passes for 900 yards and six touchdowns. And you're probably going to be disappointed. Could he finish tight end two and still not be a good deal at that price tag? Yes. I think that's the other thing to consider because some people go, well, 
What if he just projects as the tight end too? Sure. You can take him second off the board. I'd like him a lot more. I might even like him second off the board. If you went in the late fourth, early fifth round. Sure. I could get on board with that, but taking him early third round with so much target competition still with Lamar Jackson. And again, will they throw more? Yeah, I would expect it. Does this guarantee that the efficiency is awesome? No. Oftentimes with a new offensive coordinator, there can be friction points. It would not surprise me if this team is just simply not on the same page for a good chunk of this next season. Mark Andrews, simply not interested at his early round three price tag. Yeah, I like Mark Andrews in, in relatively to the tight end position. Like, I think he's still going to be fine. I think with how much extra passing volume I think they're going to have in this new offense, I think it's going to be really good for Mark Andrews. My problem is, Josh, are you, are you aware off the top of your head who the player going one spot above Mark Andrews is right now in underdog drafts? One spot no, above. No, do tell. The do player tell before him right now is Brees Hall. <laughs> so you can you can draft yeah. Brees Hall at the same price as Mark Andrews. Or if you go three spots above Mark Andrews, you have Ramondre Stevenson, who I think is a legitimate dark horse candidate to be the running back one overall. So I think for me right now, the decision is pretty easy. I know those guys are still going above Mark Andrews, but that there's a big gap right there in talent, I think, or at least in terms of not maybe talent, but fantasy points. I know that's relative to position and Mark Andrews will be better than the average tight end. But I just think that, like you said, that there's going to be some other players Right now, DeAndre Hopkins is not signed anywhere, but Baltimore is considered to be one of the favorites of the teams that could sign him right now, according to odds odds books right now. So I think that there's a real chance that Mark Andrews could, you know, do really good, but I just don't think that he's going to live up to the hype of where other people are going in drafts right now. But before we move on, you should probably consider subscribing to the 33rd Team Podcast Network on Apple or Spotify. I mean, this helps us keep podcasts like this free. And we'll have some very special guests later on in the summer that you absolutely do not want to miss. People with hundreds of thousands of followers, possible former NFL talent, big-time analysts, all the people that you do not want to miss. Don't forget to check out the 33rd Team Podcast Network. But the final question of the day is, who is the most overvalued player in all of fantasy football right now, regardless of position? So, Josh... I would love to lead off here, but I'm going to give the lead off to you. Who is that player for you that is more overvalued than any other player in all of the fantasy football landscape? So Debo Samuel, he scored a ton of fantasy points last year, right? We, we took him in the second and third round. Wait a second. Debo Samuel hit 15 PPR points twice in 13 games last year. That means if you chose a random month and a half stretch of the NFL you probably saw him hit 15 fantasy points once. Congrats. Pat yourself on the back. You didn't lose your league matchup that week. He was often playing fourth fiddle behind Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And I, I think let's, let's play a game, Alex, called Spot the Outlier. Let me know which of these sounds like the outlier to you. PPR points per game, Debo Samuels, four seasons in the league. 2019, 12 and a half. 2020, 11 and a half. 2021, 21, 2022, 13. Which of those numbers is astronomically larger than the others? I think it's the 21. That's a, it's a bold guess, but. Yeah, the hitting 21 fantasy points when he hasn't been over 13 in any other season. 2021 was actually the most efficient fantasy wide receiver season in history. He had over 18 yards per reception, despite the average depth of target not being super high. And he had eight rushing touchdowns on fewer than 60 
carries. For those wondering, Travis Etienne had 250 touches last year and five touchdowns. Etienne had a touchdown every 50 touches. Debo had eight rushing touchdowns on 59 carries. <laughs> this is the most insane touchdown season we have ever witnessed at the position. And that is what you're chasing. To me, he looks like someone that's going to score 11 and a half to 13 fantasy points per game because that's what he's done when he isn't being the most efficient receiver in fantasy football history. Yeah, I also was oh, just to give some context for the listeners. Me and Josh actually did this blindly of who we had on our list today. And my <laughs> final most overvalued player was actually Debo Samuel. I mean, for similar reasons to Josh. I mean, Debo Samuel had just three finishes inside the top 20 wide receivers in 13 games last year. Like that is really, really low for a guy that is going as the wide receiver 17 right now. And like you said, the outliers in his career, he said wide receiver finishes, which is not really fair, of the wide receiver 32, 92, wide receiver 3, and wide receiver 40. But my problem with this is not only the fact they have a really great defense, maybe they're not going to have as many plays on offense during the game, which is a fine, silly, arbitrary stat. But the most important part is the fact that he has a fellow top 24 wide receiver a fellow top three running back and top three tight end on the same team. And if Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, Josh Allen was the quarterback, I'd say, okay, that's fine. But we are either going to have a Brock Purdy coming off of a terrible, terrible elbow injury. We're either going to have Trey Lance, who has very little NFL experience, or we're going to have Sam Darnold that has never really supported fantasy football weapons in his entire career. So the range of outcomes where they magically support top three options at tight end and running back, and then they support two top 20 wide receivers, I just don't think has ever happened before in NFL history. And if you have that combined with very mid-tier at best quarterback play, the recipe for success for Debo Samuel just does not add up. So for me, it's got to be Debo. He's got to be going lower than the wide receiver 17 that he's going right now. One other player currently that I'm a little bit wary of also is DeAndre Hopkins. He's going as the wide receiver 19. I don't hate DeAndre Hopkins. If he signed with the Bills – or the Chiefs right now, he is going to be just fine. But if he signs to somewhere like Atlanta or somewhere that just has very low passing volume, it's just not going to be good. I mean, regardless of DeAndre Hopkins in general, like the last time that he finished as inside the top 40 wide receivers was in the 2020 season. That was a long time ago. Of course, injuries played a factor. The fact that he got suspended played a factor, and he was awesome when he came back last year. But it has still been over two years since we saw him finish inside the top 40 wide receivers. And if he doesn't get the landing spot that we're looking for, like a Bills or a Chiefs, where he should go where he's going right now, I think the only way is down. So if he, if he signs with one of those great places, fine. He'll be okay. But if he signs with one of those you know, 25 other teams that are not great fits for him from a fantasy football perspective, I just can't get on board. The last thing I'll say with DeAndre Hopkins is the fact that this is May 30th when we're recording this. And DeAndre Hopkins himself has not signed with the team. So at best, he's going to have about 100 days to learn a new NFL offense. So a 31-year-old wide receiver learning a new offense and the fact that if he doesn't sign with one of those new teams, he's going to be a little bit struggling. I just can't get on it. Do you have any last words on DeAndre Hopkins or did I cover it, Josh? I think you covered it quite well. A lot of people are focused on the Chiefs and Bills. That's fairly likely, but if you look at the betting markets – I actually wrote this up on the 33rdteam.com. Nice free article, DeAndre Hopkins fantasy reactions. I went through the betting markets. It turns out a lot of those very likely landing spots are simply not very fun for fantasy football. Like the, a lot of people are like, oh, the Eagles are on that list. Yeah, 
you think DeAndre Hopkins is going to significantly outcompete AJ Brown and Devon Smith, two of the best young receivers in the NFL consistently for targets. And then there's also Dallas Goddard and Jalen Hurts runs a lot. Come on, people. It's the Chiefs and the Bills, and the other landing spots get significantly worse. So, well, I think the upside is enormous with the Chiefs and Bills. Pretty much every other landing spot, it is simply just not exciting for fantasy football. Exactly. And then that's the ultimate point when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins. But again, we'll see where he signs. As a fantasy football fan, I hope he signs somewhere with the Chiefs or the Bills and has an awesome fantasy football season. I'm just saying, if he signs anywhere else, the value in drafts as he's going right now is just not going to be worth it. But that is the point. But that is it today for the 10 players that are going to probably let you down in fantasy football this year. But he is Josh Larkey. I am Alex Caruso. And this is another episode of the Fifth Down Fantasy Podcast. Don't forget to tune in every single Tuesday at 2 p.m. for some more fantasy football goodness. Don't forget to subscribe to the 33rd Team Podcast Network for a lot of big shows and big guests that we are having very soon. But in the meantime, don't forget to keep chasing that upside. Until next time.